Hello, my friends. This is Dan Jones to share this quiet talk with you today. Benjamin grew up without his mother. Rachel died as she was bringing Benjamin into the world. As she was dying, Rachel named the boy Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. But his dad, Jacob, didn't want his son to grow up with a name like that, so he called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. The right hand denotes strength, authority, power. Remember these names. Both are equally appropriate because Rachel did indeed experience sorrow. But her son also proved to be a son of strength and comfort for his father. Rachel, of course, was also the mother of Joseph. She and her sister Leah were both married to Jacob, but Rachel was the favorite. Jacob didn't want to marry Leah in the first place, but was tricked by her father Laban. So Jacob had them both as his wives. Since Leah was not loved, God allowed her to conceive six sons. For a long time, Rachel wasn't able to have children at all, but finally gave birth to Joseph and Benjamin. Benjamin was the youngest of the family. Those of us who were also the youngest know a little bit of what it must have been like for him. I remember being referred to many, many times as the baby of the family, long after I was no longer a baby. As the baby, I never felt like I was taken seriously by my older brothers. They loved me, but I was still the baby. Now, the youngest often gets certain privileges that the others don't get. It's just the way things are. Birth order can have a lot of impact on your life, but naturally this is beyond your control. I didn't ask to be born last. Like everybody listening, I didn't ask to be born at all. It just happened. Benjamin didn't mean to be the birth that killed his own mother. It just happened. Another thing Benjamin had no control over was the actions of his older half-brothers toward his own full brother, Joseph. I'm sure most of you are familiar with the story. If not, read about it in Genesis, beginning in chapter 37. It's a compelling human drama, if there ever was one. When Joseph's brothers are talking about killing him, Benjamin, of course, is not mentioned. No doubt, he was at home, being still a boy. He had to be very dear to his father, not just because he was the youngest, but because of the circumstances of his birth. I'm sure every time Jacob looked at him, he thought of Rachel. wonder if he had a strong resemblance to his mom. I wouldn't be surprised. So Joseph is sold down the river to Egypt. As far as Jacob knows, Joseph is dead. His brothers tell their dad that they found Joseph's coat stained with blood. Joseph and Benjamin were no doubt very close, being from the same stable, so to speak. Joseph was a young man of sterling character, so I'm sure he was a loving big brother to Ben. But now he's gone. Jacob must have clung even more tightly to the baby, and Benjamin must have missed his big brother. Unbeknownst to Jacob and his sons back in Canaan, Joseph, after several years, becomes the prime minister of Egypt. 
Thanks to Joseph's ability to interpret Pharaoh's dream, there's food in Egypt during a great famine, which affected Canaan as well. So Jacob sends his sons to Egypt to buy grain so they won't starve. When they get there, Joseph, Joseph recognizes them, but they don't recognize him. Joseph accuses them of being spies, which of course he knows they aren't. In all of this act, if you want to call it that, that Joseph goes through with his brothers, it looks like he's toying with them, but he isn't. He's trying to bring them to repentance for what they had done. Joseph questions them about their family, their father, etc. They tell him that indeed their father is still alive and that they have one brother, the youngest, who stayed behind in Canaan. To their shock, Joseph tells them that unless they bring their brother down to Egypt, he will not believe that they aren't spies. What a spot this puts them in. They know how their father feels about Benjamin. If Benjamin dies, Jacob will die. So, Joseph takes Simeon into custody to ensure that they will bring Benjamin to Egypt when they return. Back in Canaan, they tell Jacob what has happened. He says, Benjamin will not go down there with you. He's all I've got left. This must have been a great blow to the old man. He tells his sons, you have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. Well, finally their food runs out, and Jacob urges them to return to Egypt to buy more. They tell their father, the man told us he won't even see us unless our brother is with us. But their situation is dire. So Jacob reluctantly agrees to let Benjamin go with them to Egypt. When they arrive, to their surprise, Joseph, whom they still don't recognize, throws them a banquet. They don't know what to think of this. They're amazed. When Joseph sees his little brother, Benjamin, he is overwhelmed with emotion and has to leave the room. When it's time for them to leave, their sacks are loaded up with grain But Joseph does a strange thing. He tells his servant to put his own silver cup into Benjamin's sack. The brothers leave, but Joseph sends a troop of men after them, accusing them of stealing this valuable item. They protest, we didn't steal anything from you. If you find this silver cup in our things, whoever has it will die. Then everybody unloads their sacks, and lo and behold... The cup is found in Benjamin's sack. The brothers are despondent. What worse thing could possibly have happened? When they come before Joseph, he taxes them with the supposed theft. But then Judah steps forward and makes a beautiful and humble speech before him. He tells this one they think is just some great Egyptian official that If they don't return Benjamin to his aged father, his father will die. This is finally too much for Joseph. So he tells all the Egyptians to leave the room. And he says to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Can you imagine what they thought then? This was the biggest shock so far. They were literally speechless. 
No doubt they were afraid they were about to die. But Joseph explains to them that although what they did to him was evil, God used their evil to preserve the lives of many people by getting him to Egypt, where he would be instrumental in saving thousands of lives, not the least of which would be his father and brothers, so that the promises made to Abraham would not fail. I would love to have been there when they got home and told everything to Jacob. The poor old man almost had heart failure on the spot, but God spared his life, and he returned with them to Egypt to embrace this son whom he thought was dead. Remember now the birth of Benjamin. His dying mother named him Son of My Sorrow. The boy's entrance into this world was sorrowful. His mother died in childbirth. This must have been a grief to Jacob. Isaiah 53, a passage we read during this holy time of year, says of Messiah, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Jesus Christ knew sorrow. In this Old Testament story we've recounted, Benjamin was caught up in the consequences of the sins of his older brothers. In the case of Jesus, he willingly took on the sins of all of us. He experienced the sorrow of that sin. In the midst of Jacob's grief and the loss of his beloved wife, Rachel, he nevertheless acquired a son, a son whom he named Son of My Right Hand. The Son of God, the Son who knew the sorrows of men, is now himself seated at the right hand of his father, like Benjamin, and also like Joseph. After being separated from the father who loved him, he was restored to the right hand of power. Jesus was despised and mistreated, but now he has been given the name above every name, that at his name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sorrows we experience, and we thank you for the joys that follow through the faithfulness and the promises of God. I pray you'll encourage the folks listening to this talk today to know that that even though uh, grief may endure and sorrow and pain may endure for the night, that joy comes in the morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, my dear friends. I pray you have a blessed Easter Sunday. And uh, we will have services at the Bread of Life Anglican Church at 10 o'clock on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior. Uh, Bread of Life is located in the American Legion Hall at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. May God richly bless you. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is father.danjones at outlook.com.